In this episode of the My Personal Economy podcast, is this it? It looks like the share market drop is finally here. Will it be Mad March for the share market? Will it be the harbinger of the government stepping in and saving the economy? Or should I say property market? I'll also be commentating on the role of government schemes and how they help to push the property market higher as part three of my series on why I think the property market is going sky high in the coming years. Welcome to the My Personal Economy Podcast, the place where we get you up to speed with what's going on so you can make sound decisions when it comes to your financial life. Now, let's get started on today's topic. Before I get into the episode, I want to take a moment to mention why I make this podcast. I know the quality is shithouse, but I just want my audience to get the message. The message is that you're responsible for your own financial future. My aim is for you, the audience, to understand more of the outside economy so you feel a little bit more empowered to make decisions about your own personal finances. Hence the name, My Personal Economy. I'm no financial advisor, so none of what I give is to be taken as personal advice. This podcast is just my opinion of the way I see the wacky world of finance. I started researching the economy uh, by doing things like reading books, listening to other podcasts, paying for subscriptions, and various other methods. But the reason why I did that was to try and help out my personal clients in my mortgage broking business. You see, I noticed that clients would ask me questions because finance stuff is too complicated for the average person. I made a decision that when communicating with my clients, I'd do it with the best knowledge I had. Over the years, I've built up quite a unique view to personal finances, the property market, and the broader economy in general. If you're out there listening and this stuff is adding value, then please let me know. It means a lot. Last episode, I gave some scenarios as to what I think might happen for the year. The scenario which I think is most likely to happen, followed by things like reduced interest rates and more government spending to stimulate the economy all of which will push the property market higher. My best guess is that by the end of the year, the property market will be back where we left off in 2016 to 2018. I was chatting with a client yesterday who was about to buy, and they mentioned what instinctually most people would think, and that is that the weak economy means a risk to the housing market. My personal opinion is that all of this will just push the property market higher. Around September last year, I put my money where my mouth is and I moved my super to a very conservative investment. It's in one of the previous episodes of the podcast, so you can go back and listen if you like. Truth be told, it's been obvious the market will peel back at some point. And while this coronavirus is yet to see its peak globally, I think we'll have a bigger effect on the share market in the coming weeks. Honestly, I had some doubts about my scenarios when the day after I posted the last episode, the Federal Reserve in the US created another $94 billion. Most people don't know about this or even understand it. What people don't get is that $94 billion is what the commercial banks get. Then they can create more money against this money held in their reserves. So the actual amount of money that gets created is probably somewhere between half a trillion and a trillion dollars. This sort of money makes the share market go bananas because that's where most of the newly created money ends up. 
This extra money pump pushed the US share market to all-time highs just over two weeks ago. I was questioning whether my predicted share market tank was ever going to happen. Today's the 29th of Feb, and we've had a bit of a share market panic the last week. 10% off the ASX 200. In my mind, what this will undoubtedly do is give an excuse for governments to start spending more money as economies stagnate. It'll open the gates for Trump to spend like crazy in an election year, which was part of my scenario which I said last episode. Central banks will drop interest rates to make it even easier for people to borrow money. This brings a challenge to Australia though. We've had at least five years of constant change to our lending environment and the screws have constantly been tightened. Once interest rates hit zero, that lever to boost the economy becomes useless. That puts the powers that be in a predicament. Do they keep the strong lending policies in place and let the economy and people within it suffer? The answer to that is undoubtedly no. And that is why I believe it will be easy to borrow money in the next few years and why house prices will inevitably go up. What I can see in my local property market in Melbourne is supply start to fall. The newly introduced first home loan deposit scheme is starting to kick in. It's getting a lot of first homeowners in the door because they only need to save about half as much as what they did prior to January to get into the market. On top of this, there's been another 10,000 spots on the scheme released for July. I can tell you that first homeowners have been late to the party in the first round of this scheme, which started in January. This is because the government being the government did a poor job at introducing it to the public. Now the inquiry is building up from first homeowners. I've got several first homeowners planning to get in for the July round of places in the scheme. My mortgage broking business has also seen many upgraders entering the market too. What that says to me is they see the writing on the wall and they're thinking upgrade now or we'll get priced out. All we need now is a few more months for this to bubble up, combine it with interest rate drops and backpedaling on lending policy and the property market will be back at boom times. And this little corona-led share market tank will quickly be history and the future will look all rosy until our next speculator-led market peak. This brings me over to my series on why the property market will boom. In the first part, I discussed how the apartment market saga, which is ongoing by the way, will lead to a lower supply of new apartments. Regulation will be introduced to stop bad things from happening again. This will drive the cost up, but it will also lead to less apartments getting approved in the short term, meaning supply will reduce. Place this in the backdrop of a population boom and it's easy to see why this will help drive the market further. In the second part of the series, I spoke about the Dubai effect. That is, when shit hits the fan in the global economy, money floods out of unsafe areas such as emerging markets, which is a lot of Asia and ends up in safe places like Australia. I believe we're already seeing this with the Hong Kong-China issues. More money in any market will drive the cost of whatever is in the market higher. We saw that with the last cycle and I think it's about to happen again. Today's topic is all about the scheming our governments get up to. It helps prop up the property market and keep the young content from screaming about the raw deal they're getting. I've already touched on the newly created first home loan deposit scheme. In modern times this started back in the year 2000 when John Howard introduced the first home owner grant. Since then there have basically been a whole heap of schemes introduced by federal and state governments to get the first home buyer in the door. What I want to do is take you back to when the FOG got introduced, FOG being short for First Homeowner Grant, and that was the year 2000. The reason I want to do that is because I see many similarities with 2020 and 2000. If you've listened to me before, I mention this quite a lot. So let's go back to 2000. The stock market had a tech-led 
speculation boom. It saw things like the most amount of IPOs from companies yet to turn a profit. An IPO is when a company goes public. For the layman, an IPO is when a company goes public and starts letting the public buy shares in the company. To simplify this for you, there was a record amount of money invested in businesses that were making a loss, meaning all these investors were speculating on these businesses making money in the future. When the share market tanks, a large amount of these businesses go bust. And that's where we're at now. We again have record high numbers of IPOs of companies that aren't turning a profit yet. And that's why I've been saying there's too much speculation in this market. Before the dot-com peak in 2000, we also had a housing market peak. This is pretty Santa stuff in a cycle. And the reason for this is that the money from the housing lending circulates around the economy and part of it ends up in the share market. It makes sense that if the housing market peaks, then less money is borrowed and less money ends up in the share market eventually. So there's a lag time. So that's why in a cycle you quite often see a property market peak. Then by the time that money stops circulating in the economy, which can be a year or so later, you'll get that stock market peak. Another eerie similarity is that unseen events unfolded and triggered panic. We saw that with the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center on September 11. These events caused panic because speculators think, shit, I've got my life savings in the World Wide Web. I don't know what that is. Or in 2020, that's shit, I've got all my money in crypto-based businesses. These speculators quickly exit the market, causing panic amongst the rest of the market. When these crashes happen, governments do all they can to support the economy, which is fair enough, that's their job. But what that does is push the property market higher. If you look at the years post the dot-com bubble burp, you'll see a massive property boom up to 2007-2008. What these government schemes do is increase the amount of buyers in a market plus increase the amount of money these buyers can spend. For example, the first homeowner grant started off as 7000 Now, you might think that 7000 is nothing, but you need to understand that when you're using it as leverage, the bank will give you more money against that 7000 So if they're giving you one hundred and forty grand against your seven grand, um, well, it's probably closer to one hundred and thirty-three grand against your seven grand. You've got a lot more money to pay for the house you want. This is why schemes have a massive contribution to the market going up. It's not just because the number of buyers in the market have increased; it's that the new buyers are now armed with a whole lot more purchasing power. For the next episode of the podcast, I think I'll discuss the role of population growth and how that affects the economy and the property market. That's enough for me for this week. Short and sweet. These factors always come back to supply and demand of either land or supply and demand of money. That's generally all it comes to. For the next episode of the podcast, I think I'll discuss the role of population growth and how that affects the economy and the property market. And as I wind up this episode of the My Personal Economy podcast, I'm keen to see where this share market will be by the time the next episode is recorded. Will the carnage have stopped or is the coronavirus still going to impact the world? As I always say, time will tell. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the My Personal Economy podcast. I hope you've got some nuggets of wisdom you can use from today's episode. My goal with this podcast is to help people understand their finance a little bit better. So if you have any questions I can address, please get in contact. You can find me by searching Will Bell Mortgage Broker on Google or Facebook. Thanks for stopping by.